0: Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. So we're going to be in Haggai chapter 1. You know, Haggai's not a book that, we, uh, that we've looked a lot at in this church, but I think you're going to enjoy what uh, the prophet Haggai was given to say by God uh, to the children of Israel. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit later what's sort of behind these words. But I, I want to sort of introduce the message by what I think is uh, something that's happening in many of our lives and that's just that the events that are taking place in our lives sometimes just threaten to, to like a huge wave, almost overwhelm us, don't they? I mean, I, I look at my Facebook page yesterday. Just one day, there were... Uh, Three event invitations up there in the upper right-hand corner. There was an invitation to a Super Bowl party today. There were two birthdays. Happy birthday, by the way, to Jonathan Favorite. You'll want to wish him happy birthday. It was his birthday yesterday. And uh, Elle Schomburg is somewhere around her. Happy birthday to her, too. It's, It's so cool to see all these events, but at the same time, our lives sometimes seem to be driven by events, don't they? And, and instead of having our calendars be our servants, sometimes it seems as if they're becoming our masters. I, I picked up the, the paper this morning, and there's so much, so much centers around time in our culture. Even the, the headline for Tucson tragedy is, A Fatal Chain of Events Begins. In trying to manage it, we try all all kinds of different things. With one thing coming after another, with all the tasks pouring into our lives. And sometimes, I I know I feel this, maybe you do too, it's like there's not time for relationships because I'm too busy trying to just catch the flow of all the tasks and the promises that I've made and keep all those and do all those things. I remember when I was first in the ministry, every year we were sent these to help us manage. And you probably can't see this. But here's the little space that's for one day. I used to be able to manage my, my ministry and my schedule in that little tiny space right there, and it all worked out beautifully. A number of years ago, I said, man, you need something a little bit more robust than this little red notebook. You, you may notice uh, some pastors carrying that one around because it is a pastor's uh, calendar, but I got this big, big boy right here. He, this bad boy was, man, look at all those tabs, places for pretty much all the information. And I started writing everything down in my Franklin Covey day planner, thinking, man, this thing is going to really help me manage my time, my events, and all that stuff. Yeah. And you've all met my latest friend, Blackberry, right? This is even more robust, even though it comes in a smaller package. My calendar, my tasks, my contacts, my email, all right there in one tiny little package. And you think by now, man, he must certainly have gotten his system down. And it's not like I haven't tried to learn. I mean, look, look look at here. Right. I've read so many books on time management. Here's here's Stephen Covey that I had to read before I could, you know, use his day planner, of course. And and there's even a chapter in here called Putting First Things First. There's a whole book by Covey called Putting First Things First. And then and then there's Leadership and the 1-Minute Manager. I'm thinking, man, if I could lead in 1 minute, that that'd be so awesome. Think of all the time to watch football then, right? I mean, Super Bowl Sunday, it'd be really cool. The The one-minute manager. And then this is my favorite, and I actually have used a lot of things from this one. And it's it's kind of a more recent thing on the time management uh, bookshelf. It's called Getting Things Done by David Allen. Really good book. I've read it several times. But guess what? This subtitle, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity... I haven't quite gotten there yet to the stress-free part of that art of stress-free productivity. I'm still feeling a little bit stressed. Maybe you are too. I mean, all these things come in at us. And that's why I think it's so important when we're thinking about relationships in the 21st century to talk about this topic. I know from talking to you, that many of you, if not most of you, are feeling that same stress of the task list and the calendar and watching your watch. And it's very interesting to see that this is not a new problem. Not at all. It's a very ancient problem. And that's why we can read from the book of Haggai, uh, which was written 520 years before Christ came, so that's 2,500 years ago, and we can learn some amazing things about our relationships and how God would have us manage time, because that's actually what Haggai is talking about. He's talking about our priorities, how we can plan our time and our calendars. And he's talking to the children of Israel, to the Jews, at a time when they actually haven't been doing a really hot job of, of this. You see, what's happened is they were carried off into exile in Babylon, and, um, and that happened because they had been practicing idolatry for many, many, many years. God had been so patient with them. And then eventually he says, look, enough of this. And it was not, this was not just a little, you go over there, time out. This was violent. The Babylonian armies came in, and it was very destructive. And they were, they were disciplined and sent off for 70 years. The book of of Haggai is when God has finally allowed them now after this 70-year time to come back and settle in the land. And here's what's happened. They get back in 538 B.C. to Jerusalem. And right away, immediately, they begin to set about the task of rebuilding the temple that had been completely demolished when the Babylonians swept in. And they start out so totally on the right foot And then I can kind of imagine some of these thoughts happening. You know, after they got the foundation and the altar all set, and it was, we know this from history, they probably started to think, you know, it's getting late in the spring here. If we don't get our seeds planted, we know what's going to happen come fall, right? And then probably someone said, yeah, and you know, these homes haven't been kept up for, for 70 years. We need to repair that roof. We need to make sure these walls are right. And so they, they began to, uh, to think about those kinds of things. And before they knew it, 15-plus years had gone by. And there was the foundation of the temple, just like it had been refinished after years one, two, and three. And there was the altar they had built, but they had gotten... No further. So, with that introduction, let's take a look at Haggai chapter 1 and let's see what God has to say to them. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house remains a ruin? Now understand that little phrase means probably imported wood. I mean, what, what we're seeing is it wasn't just the basic covering the roof anymore and making sure the walls were safe They've taken pretty good care of themselves is what this is saying. While this house, meaning God's house, remains a ruin. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. And I want you to notice that phrase is repeated two times. In any Hebrew literature, when a phrase is repeated two times, in short order, that means take notice. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Maybe, maybe underline it this time. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. And we're really going to build what we say today off of that phrase. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their due and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces on men and cattle and on the labor of your hands. In other words, I called for a drought on everything that you normally think of as your security. Because I want to be your security. I don't want these things to be your security. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people, they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, uh, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. So here's, I'm just going to lay it out for you, what we're going to learn today right here at the beginning. And and it's going to hopefully answer this question. How can I stop being a slave, a servant to my calendar and and get it into control so that I can turn my time and turn uh, my calendar into the service of my relationships, right? How can I do that? And God's answer is pretty clear here. He says, give careful thought to your ways. So number one, give careful thought to your ways. We'll talk about what that means in just a moment. Number two, get control of your calendar because you have the power to do that. And number three, let God be God. And that that might almost sound like two opposites at the end. I'm going to say that's a both and, not an either or. Get control of your calendar and let God be God. And really what we're saying with this is, you know, we have to approach our time with a certain degree of humility, don't we? After all, it, sometimes, And I know I, I used to think this, you know, I, I get this all planned out. Um, you know, you, you read some of the time management stuff, plan an entire week ahead. Or if you can plan, roughly plan out an entire two weeks or a month ahead. And you get done with that and you, you feel pretty good. And you go, Whew, I'm in control of my time. Really? Because what what would always happen to me is as soon as I would get that feeling, I'm in control of my time. Boom, something would come and emerge from the side and T-bone me in my calendar, right? Ever have that happen? I want you to think about Genesis chapter 1. Remember what it says in Genesis chapter 1? Who is the creator of time? Who is the one that made the days that go in this calendar? Genesis 1 says this. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. In other words, what I might view as something emerging from the side and T boning my calendar might be God saying, Don't forget, I'm the one who created the thing called day. I'm the one that is the maker of time. So take a humble attitude as you plan your calendars, as you try to get in control of it. And and let's take a look at one other passage that really says the very same thing. And I'm going to look at James chapter 4. We'll put this up for you. And here's what it says. Now, listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist. Think about that. You ever been walking in the morning and somebody's sprinklers come on and maybe it's a windy day and it's kind of going up like this and then all of a sudden, whoosh, there goes the mist like that? That's a lot like my calendar. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. See that humility coming out there? As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. But not just humility, also responsibility. Notice what that last verse says. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. God does give us some control over our calendars. And if we know the good that we ought to be doing with our time and we don't use our time that way, God says it's clear. If you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, you are sinning. You're falling short. You're missing the mark of holiness that God desires for your life. So here's the question. How can we get control of our time in a God-pleasing and humble way that says ultimately... God is the creator and maker of time. He controls my time, but also I want to take responsibility for my life so that I can get my relationships fed with my time. Remember, we're talking about relationships in the 21st century. We want to get control of our time so that we can feed and invest in our relationships. And that's what I want to talk about for the rest of the day. I already asked this question. But let's let's dig in again with this question. Am I a slave of time? Or have I learned how to turn time to the service of my relationships? I want you to take a look back in Haggai now. And see what God is really saying to these people. Notice what he's saying. Talking about in verse 2, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? You see, what had been happening with the, with the children of Israel is, is that they had been doing what I often do and maybe what you often do. They had been focusing a lot on the calendars and on the blackberries and am I late or am I early? Am I on time? And all of a sudden, before they knew it, their crops had been planted in the right season, their roofs had been repaired, they'd even have in time, ha- had time to, to rebuild their houses in very wonderful ways. They had imported wood, paneled their houses nicely, but guess what? There was the focal point of their relationship with God, still sitting unfinished. Now imagine what must have happened right every day that 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 temple is in a prominent part of jerusalem so every day as they went about their business for 15 plus years they walked right past that building there was the foundation there was the altar there were no walls it was unfinished and and yet they didn't really see it did they I have some boxes in my house that are like that. Do you? You know, you have these boxes, and I promised Julie, I told her, yeah, we'll get those done, and I'll sort out what stuff needs to be sent to the thrift store and what we can throw away and what I, right? Yeah, I don't even see those boxes anymore until Julie comes along and says, remember those boxes? No, I don't remember them, la, 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 la. You know, and that's what was happening in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. They just didn't really see what was happening because they were so focused on time that they forgot about timing. And that's what God is pointing out to them here. He's saying, guys, your timing is out of order. Your priorities are not right. You're taking care of yourselves first, and you're timing that out as higher than remembering me and your relationship to me and rebuilding this, this house of mind that is the place where the sacrifices are offered and the places where we can communicate and you can be reminded that those sacrifices point to a greater sacrifice, namely Jesus Christ who will come to be your Messiah. You've neglected that. You've gotten things out of order. Now this is vitally important to all of our relationships, of course, especially in our relationship with God that we put him first. But I, I, I will tell uh, guys this, that order is critically important. Timing is important in your marriage too. I tell guys in our marriage seminar, we've got one coming up this weekend. I say, here's a trick. Now, ladies, can you just put your yeah, fingers in your ears so you don't hear this for a minute? No, no one's doing that, okay. I tell the guys, the first 10 or 15 minutes you're home, be present right there. Don't go turn on your computer. Don't go turn on sports on TV. Timing. The first 15 minutes you're home, go give your wife a hug and a kiss, look her in the eye, ask her about her day, and if you'll do that first, guys, assuming the girls don't really know the trick that you're playing on them, because of the timing, guess what? You'll have a lot more freedom for the rest of the evening to go play your video games. Right, because they're going to be satisfied that you thought of them first, and you listened to them, and you cared enough about them to ask about their day. When when we're looking at our calendars, it's critical for us to think about timing, right? And often we don't do that because we're running so helter skelter in our lives, just trying to stay caught up. I know in a lot of my days, it seems like no matter how early I start, by the time I'm going in about an hour into my day, I'm running 15 minutes behind and I'm going, how do I catch up? And I know many of you are the same. Instead of focusing so much on this, on time, think about order and timing, right? And that's why twice in this passage, Haggai tells the people, Give careful thought to your ways. Let me, let me explain what that means. Literally, in the, in the Hebrew, it means place your heart on your well-worn paths. Place your heart. Really think through what's in your heart. What do you love most? And now... Having your heart and your well worn past means meaning the place that you just habitually go almost without thinking, get your heart there. And think to yourself, what order am I really doing things in? Is this really reflect my heart? Place your heart on your well-worn paths. And you, you know your well-worn paths, much like I do. I mean, here's what happens to me in the morning. I pull out of the garage. Before I'm even out of the garage and backing down the driveway, it's such a well-worn path for me that my mind is already racing ahead to my day. And uh, here's, here's what my neighbors see me do. And there's a couple of them here in, in, uh, in, in the room today. They see me drive out, go out and then just get out uh, onto the main street and then make a U-turn because here's what I'm thinking. Did I close my garage door? Right? Now, maybe you're not OCD like I am, but I actually go back sometimes and check, did I close my garage door? Because my heart was not on my well-worn paths, right? That's why God says, get your heart. On your well worn paths, really examine the order in which you do things. Get the highest priorities in your calendar first. That's your first point. Think timing over time. Set God pleasing priorities. And isn't that what God does for you and me? Think about what what the Bible tells us in the book of Galatians. When the time had fully come, when it was just the right time, right timing, God sent his son, born of a woman born under the law, to redeem those under the law. Meaning, at just the right time, because we're sinners, we don't always get our priorities right, God sent us Jesus, and Jesus won forgiveness for us, lived the perfect life, always had the perfect timing in our place. And now Jesus says to you and me, when your timing is off, here, take my timing and use it as your own. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Just the right time. That same Jesus says something pretty interesting in light of what this passage says twice in Haggai. Place your heart on your well-worn paths. Jesus says, and I put it in in your notes, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what Jesus is really saying there? If you really want to know what your priorities are, what your true priorities are, look at your well-worn paths. Because it's very likely that those paths are well-worn because that's where your heart is going. Why were these people paneling their own homes before they were dealing with the temple? Was their heart really on the right well-worn path? And that's why God sent Haggai and all the other prophets to say, guys, Get your heart back on track, and then your well-worn paths will be on track. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be also. And take a look at what it says in Haggai. It says, if you put your heart in the right place, great things are going to happen. And if they're not in the right place, well, maybe not so great things are going to happen. Because in reality... Time is not something that is spent. Time is something that is invested. You think of it that way? I mean, I know a lot of us use that language of spent, don't we? I mean, later on today, and I've said it already several times this morning, I'm going to spend some time watching the Super Bowl. And that's why I know I have my priorities absolutely straight. But the reality is I'm investing my time in watching the, the, the Super Bowl, right? And, and you know the difference between spending and investing, right? Spending, it goes out and nothing comes back except maybe something that usually gets worn out and old and broken after a while. Investing means it goes out and it comes back to you larger later on, right? And investing means we give thought to the things that we really want to be productive in our lives, to be good and solid in our lives. What relationships are you investing in with your time? And are those the relationships that God would have you invest in? Are you investing, as he calls the Jews here, in your relationship with him? Are you investing in your relationship with your spouse, your children, your parents, your brothers and sisters? The ones that even God says those are great people to invest your time in. Here's a question I like to ask myself. What if I start my sentence with only I? Only I can have my relationship with God. You, none of you can have a relationship with God for me. Only I can have my relationship with God. If you don't believe me on that, look at John chapter 1. It says that my relationship with Christ can't, can't be a part of a husband or wife's will. My relationship with God is mine, and only I can have that relationship. Only I can be Julie's husband. Only I can be a dad to my five kids. Only I can be pastor of this church for now, as long as God's called me here. There are certain things that only I can do. And when you think about those, those are usually the relationships that God says, that's where you ought to invest. Not spend your time, but invest your time, because then great things are going to come out of that investment. See what, what happens when things get out of order? Look at verse Look at verse, uh, what is that? Five, new bifocals. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Why? Why? because they were investing out of order in the wrong place and what was happening with their investment. It was not giving them a good return. And that's why we have to think, not spend time, but invest it. So that's your second point. Think invest over spend. Give careful thought to your time investments. Why did Jesus come? Why did true God become true man? Because he wanted to invest in you, right? There he was, God, and he said, I'm going to become man. I'm going to live 33 years on planet Earth. Why did he invest time spending almost an entire day with his arms stretched out on the cross? Because he wanted to shed his blood for you to invest in the forgiveness of your sins. He said, you are worth my investment. And that's what the word redeem literally means. It means that God took his precious blood, not gold or silver, and spent it, invested it so that you could be his own and live under him in his kingdom. What a beautiful, beautiful thing that is. Think invest over spend. Notice what it says in Proverbs. Here's the The third point, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later. I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. Do you know how often people kill relationships through one simple problem called procrastination? It almost happened here, didn't it? God had rescued them from the Babylonians, set them up as his very special people, brought them back, and they started off on the right foot. They got that foundation of the temple laid. They got the altar rebuilt so they could restart the sacrifices and then work ground to a halt for 15-plus years. And every day as they, they walked their well-worn paths past that temple and, and didn't really see what was happening there, that it was unfinished, they said, we'll take care of that tomorrow. Just a little later, we've got to get our seeds in the ground. We've got to get our roof repaired. We've got to get that paneling from Lebanon brought down and imported so I can make my, my interior walls look decorated so beautifully. Until God says, "Oh, there. And he actually says something kind of shocking. Take, take a look at what he says in verse 7 and 8. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. And then he says something you might not first notice. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You know why that's surprising that he says that? Because some of these people were old enough to remember the previous temple that had been built by Solomon. And do you know where the timber for that temple had come from? It had been imported wood from Lebanon, and it was gorgeous and beautiful. And I'm sure some of these people, like me, sometimes with my perfectionism, they were saying, we can't possibly use local wood in the temple. And maybe part of the delay was simply that they just simply couldn't think of just going, just Go there, get that wood, let's get the job done. And then God himself comes and he says, look, guys, I don't need imported wood from Lebanon. Just go to that hill right there. See, there's plenty of trees. Cut them down, get the wood, slice it into timber. Let's get this temple done. Take a look at what happens. Read verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet. That's when the prophecy came, right? This is like the old way of doing calendars. They didn't have January and February. They factored things on the kings. The second year of Darius, the first day of the sixth month. Now go to verse 15. On the 24th day of the sixth month, same month, how many days later? 23 days later three and a half weeks is all it takes to correct something that had been sitting there for 15 plus years and they get started and they work on it and they make it happen and really that's that's what god is telling us about our relationship to him make it happen don't say in a little while say now make it happen now and that's what he's saying to you also in your relationships to one another what are you waiting for he's saying just go up do what you got to do it may not be perfect it may not be exactly what you envisioned you may not be able to import things you might not be able to go to Jared but get it done Make this relationship happen. Do the things that you know you can do. Love one another. Love me. Make it happen now. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. Think now, not in a little while. Because when you procrastinate, you predestinate. You decide beforehand that you are condemning this relationship through your procrastination. Procrastination is predestination to condemnation for your relationships. And again, I just love watching how God does this, right? There's that thief on the cross next to Jesus, and his whole life has been spent not following Christ, not having a relationship with God. He's been a thief. And in the very last moments of his life, he says, Lord, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And what does Jesus say? Oh, maybe after many, many years of purgatory. Or maybe after many, many years of of some other kind of punishment, I I might think about it. No? You know what he says? Today. Today you will be with me in paradise. That's how God works. When he wants something to happen today, it's going to happen today. Because he thinks today and not wait till later. Sometimes, yes. Does he think wait till later? Of course. You've been there. Where God has said, wait a little while. But that's always to stretch your faith, to draw you a little bit closer to him. When God is, when God wants to act today, he will act today. Just as he did with that thief On the cross. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, as we make our final point. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and His incomparably great power for us who believe. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And that's exactly why God sent Haggai. To say, open the eyes of your heart. As you place your heart on your well-worn paths, get your eyes open to the possibilities here. You're not in control fully of your calendar. God is God. He made time. Things are going to happen. Sometimes it's really discouraging when that happens. But remember what James says to you. You're just a mist. You don't know exactly what's going to happen to you tomorrow. So trust that God has your best interest in mind because you're his child in Christ. And know that he's the Lord. He's the Savior. Open the eyes of your heart. And that's, that's what Haggai is saying here. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I'm reading verse 13. What was that message? God says, I am with you. Declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. God stirred them up. Even before that, it says, the people obeyed what? The voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent them. So often, when we're planning our calendars, and I, I do this some mornings, I come into the office, it's nice and quiet, I have my cup of coffee, and I lay out my calendar for the day, and I think I've got things in the right order, the right priority. I kind of sit back in my chair and tuck my thumbs into my belt. Whew, this day is going to be good. I've got it all scoped out, right? Right? And then about five minutes later comes that phone call or that email or that visit from somebody, and boom, there's the, there's the T-bone that I talked about earlier. And that's when, if you want to have stress-free productivity, that's when you have to surrender it to God and go, you know what, God, you are the Lord of my day. You're the master of my time. You're God, I'm not. You're the Savior, I'm your servant. And and to be stress-free, you have to say, instead of this is going to be good, you have to say this is going to be God. The way Haggai was telling the people, look, God stirred you up. God's going to get you going. And everything that's going to happen here is only going to be good because it's God. And so instead of in our own wisdom, and our own power, saying, oh, yeah, this is going to be good if I invest my time here or if I do that, step back and say, what is it that God wants? How can I get his power, his supernatural power involved in my calendar? And how can I, when I need to be flexible, release the stress and the anxiety and the worry to him and say, God, my day is your day after all. I'm only your servant. And, and that's why Paul tells the Ephesians what he says. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. Will you circle that word? And in all the stress of our calendars and our planning, we got to have hope. The hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Number one, this life is after all only a blip. You're going on to something much bigger and better called heaven and then 19, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And that power you have every day as you live out your lives. So here's your fourth and final point. Think this is going to be God over this is going to be good. He's the one who gives us hope and power. (laughs) What an awesome God we have that after Jesus went to that cross. Three days later, he rose from the grave. That's resurrection power for you to know that you will one day have an eternal inheritance in heaven. Jesus is there right now preparing a place for you, but also that you have his power for your calendar, for your watch, for your Blackberry. And when everything is knocked off kilter or when everything is going just great, When we're saying this is going to be God, we're in just the right place. And we can say, I will not serve time. I will make my time, by God's power, serve God's purposes. Take control of your calendar. Invest your time. Manage it well. But let God be God. Here's your next steps. Examine your events tab and your heart together. What changes do I need to make so that my calendar matches my heart? And then remember, God says, I am with you. He has stirred up your spirit. So seek his hope and his power to invest your time wisely. And then finally, meditate on and memorize Haggai 1.7. Give careful thought to your ways. And Matthew 6.21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we struggle so much with time. And Lord, this is, it's difficult for us to get in control of it. And sometimes it just feels like it's getting in the way of, of our relationships and of our really connecting with our loved ones. And maybe most of all, Lord, it gets in the way of our connecting with you. Lord, when that happens, help us to step back and examine our ways carefully, to get up on the balcony, to get the big picture. Give us your power and give us hope to know that that we can do that. And, Lord, for the times when we fail, when our priorities are out of order, when we're thinking time instead of timing, when we sin against you and we don't do the good that we know we ought to do, we ask for your forgiveness, your grace and mercy in Jesus. Thank you for the cross and the empty tomb. Thank you for for your, your forgiveness and your power for us. Lord, Help each person in this room get a better handle on his relationships or her relationships as we also, by your grace, get a better handle on our calendars and on our hearts, letting you, not us, but you be God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.